It's called the rapture, right? I do right. know that. The rapture, that's yes. what that's when Christians get caught up and sent into heaven right. by Jesus. Right. What happens if you are raptured and you're driving around ministering? Mm, that car is going to be driverless. So it'll careen out of control. That's right. Run into someone. Oh yeah. Kill them. Maybe I don't know. Does that seem like a good system to you? I don't question it because that's God's plan. Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 97. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Terry. Hello, everyone. And, of course, Dumbass. On guard. On guard. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, of course, he, he advertised that if, if he can if he can buy on a podcast where he doesn't have to do any work, he is showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian. Hey. And Mac. You know, uh, for Podcast 100, we should have an original composition of music. It should have its own theme. Uh, we, we, you know, we really do need a, a new piece of theme music, but uh, I haven't gone out to find one. So how sure. is everybody this evening? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, doing all right. I'd like doing to, decent. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to the guy who helped me pick myself up off the pavement yesterday on the bike trail. Thank you. Nice, <laughs> nice man. So how, how bad was this wipeout? Uh it was, you know, I didn't break anything, but there was blood and red rash and, yeah. So, uh, the bike's okay, though. There's got dinged up. So, see, it's all good. You know, they, they've actually, uh, they've actually created a device that not only has four wheels, but it also has metal all around you so that you don't get oh. as badly, uh, banged up. It's called a car. My, uh, my husband thinks I need to wear mountain bike protective gear, you know, like the, the knee pads and the, sh all that kind of stuff for just regular riding. Which might be true. That might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw I, this uh, thing as I, uh, online I was going through. There was um, uh, like, uh, I think something like 15 weirdest uh, inventions or things that they had for sale. And there was this one. It was like, um, what do you call those things where uh, where you um, mimic uh, walking like a cross? Is it a cross trainer? Is that what that is? Oh, yeah. Kind of like an yeah. elliptical? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you where you do it uh, mimics the uh, walking and there was one of those and it's on wheels so the more you walk it, it moves you forward. Wow. Okay. And it's like, well, can't you just get the same benefit from walking? I'm just walking on your feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you don't have the excuse to buy the cool device. <laughs> it's almost like if they. It's almost like making a treadmill that uh, moves when you. Yeah. I I have made a vow to try to reduce my carbon footprint so I don't walk anywhere. <laughs> wow. Hey, so we were we were mentioning. Well, you know, you you oh. could just stop rubbing uh, coal all over your shoes. I could. All right. Well, we were mentioned on two other podcasts. Cool. This week, yeah. Um, the dumbass's guide to knowledge. That's me. Yeah, yeah, that's you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're and, a and uh, yeah, very and the, lengthy mention. Yeah. Thank you. And also on the conspiracy, the skeptics guide to conspiracy. Uh, Mike Buller also made, gave us a quick mention. And actually, oh, I haven't it, listened to the latest one of those. I yeah, he, he he just basically announced that we we're you know a proud member of the dumbass <laughs> media empire. <laughs> but it was really nice of him to give us a, a quick mention. And and he uh, and so I wrote him thanking him, and he wrote me back letting me know that actually he listens to the podcast. He he is one of our one of our listeners. Cool. So that was that's oh, great. You. So and his podcast is fantastic too. What I really like about what he's doing 
is that he it isn't like he's starting from a position where he already knows all of these conspiracies he's he's kind of researching them and then giving us his take as he goes through them and and by doing that he as he makes mistakes he goes back and then recorrects himself as he finds more information so it, it's been a, it's really interesting to to watch it, to see his process as he goes through um you know learning about this conspiracy so i've really enjoyed it that's really cool. It's hard to self-correct in public like that. That's great. That is very cool. Yep. So that that is definitely a good podcast. So he's one of our uh, he's one of our listeners. He is. Yeah, Who are the other two? Do we know? Yeah, exactly. He's the third listener, right? <laughs> well, at um, Mile High Con here two weekends ago, I did well, you do know, a but... panel on podcasting, and so hopefully we got some listeners from that because I yeah, know the know, whole. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the whole stack of cards I put out on the freebie table did get picked up. Okay, so. good. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, by uh, bringing me in as uh, a, uh, a member of your team, you've now actually, uh, you know, one less listener because I'm a, a listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus listeners. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a really bad habit of this. <laughs> That's right. I was a listener too. <laughs> yeah, and 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 all and every listener that I brought on is somebody who, for the most part, had a problem with something that we said. So, Wells, you know, come come on in and talk to us about it. <laughs> Um, I was going to mention, I've been trying to, Brian and I both have been trying to be more active on the Facebook page, so uh, go like us on Facebook. I saw that. You guys have been doing a lot there. Yep. Well, I mean, I've been hanging out on Right Wing Watch, and that's like... (laughs) Job Central. Oh, that's rich with (laughs) stuff to talk about. Yeah. Well, I had a a, a good back and forth with Morgan Levy today, too, so that was fun. So Facebook is not, you know, completely vapid, but mostly... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I, I think it's uh, – do we have any announcements? I Excellent. Don't. Okay, great. So, well, then it's time for Ian and Terry's masturbation moment. Which everyone is sharing in more and more. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, we, we, we like the masturbation for sure. The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. Okay, so this is one that, admittedly, you know, the the event itself is over with, but I just felt it was, you know, a rather generous thing. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm sure everyone's aware of, we had this whole thing called the government shutdown here a little while ago. And this one company was being very generous. They were offering free vibrators to federal employees during the government shutdown. <laughs> My guess is they figure it'll you know, give them something to do to occupy their time while they can't go out to work. And you but, know, this, uh, this uh, isn't really uh, only for females, I think, either. I mean, even if you're a male furloughed worker, you should still have be able to take advantage of this. I mean, they make great coffee stirs um, and also... <laughs> You got some tape uh, and a regular toothbrush. Bring those things together. Bam! Electric toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that was going oral. I thought it was going to <laughs> Well, I've said it before. You take your vibrator, put the batteries on, just set it and watch it um, scoot around a table. It's actually quite entertaining. <laughs> well, somebody could have sent one of these to Bonner. He probably he could have stuck it where the sun don't shine. It might have been good for him. Boehner, Bonner, Boner. <laughs> Get whatever's stuck up there out. Yeah, right, exactly. 
yeah, that would be the tea party. Right. So, so to, to, to get this, of course, they didn't know if you're a furloughed worker. So they only gave out 200 a day, which is still pretty good. Yeah. That's actually pretty damn generous. Did you know, you're looking at, it was probably what, a 15 to $30 product and they're giving it away for free. So they're essentially making a donation of, let's say, average price of 15 times 200. Uh, if somebody who knows math could solve that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, they probably, they might they resell for, I don't know, five, ten bucks. That's about, this a, one. that's about yeah. what, about a three thousand. That's about a three thousand dollar donation, though. Yeah, they like, resell. Are people reselling vibrators? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, wholesale, but these are probably you know from China, fifty cents a piece, right? Probably. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that that was, well, that was fun. But, but that course, you know that's on the other hand, it's good advertising for them, too, right? But so. the 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 best part on here is this little thing at the top: Americans against the Tea Party. <laughs> <laughs> But even said, um, this is a tool to help them relax and forget, at least for a few minutes, that the government is bending them over. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> uh, what is so I found, oh, 92%? Yeah, 92%. I found this article on Jezebel's, one of my favorite yeah, websites. Yeah. Um, 92% of women masturbate, according to the study that they cite. But then they talk about how often they do it, and it, it kind of varies. What I thought was was interesting was the 92% because it was actually quite a bit higher than I expected. Yeah. Um, because of what we talked about before, you know, this shame and kind of surrounding women's pleasure and all of that. But what was fascinating in the comments was just exactly that kind of stuff that we talked about too with the shame and the social pressure not to and all of that. So um, like this one commenter says, the concept of masturbation causes me anxiety. I've never done it. I don't really know how to do it. Like, dumbass was surprised that some people didn't know how to do it. I know this shouldn't matter since I'm by myself, and apparently I still have some Catholic school guilt laying around. So whenever I think about it, I just feel dirty. I have no problem when anyone else says it, though. But it, that's what makes it better. <laughs> the guilt that <laughs> kind of adds that. Yeah, yeah. I, there's, nothing, the experience. there's nothing like quite, you know, a guilt whack off. <laughs> well, I, I guess we're getting uh, kind of differing results on this. I'm, I'm wondering about the, the sample group of this survey. I, I guess there are a lot of ways uh, that that can play out. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, how many surveys do they have out there and, and what the different results on that are? What, what's the most, what do most people who look into this think is the real number? Well, yeah, that's you know a what? really the, good question. Because yeah. if it's a self-selected um, you know, sample group. It's people who were willing to answer these types of questions. A lot of people wouldn't even talk about this well, stuff. Who so. did the? Who did this? I mean, who did the? Who did the reporting? It links back to the sun, and there was some reason yeah. I couldn't find the primary. Yeah, well, it source, did, yeah. So. so it doesn't. Yeah, I linked to that too, and that does not look very good. Right. I mean, so it, probably this is a skewed sample. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Anecdotal, just based on my anecdotal evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, but you know, it's nothing like fucking a car. Right. So. <laughs> nice, uh, nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> it's nothing like fucking a segue either. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, again, from Jezebel comes this article about a Cameron Diaz movie in which um, she. Uh, fucks a car and there's a whole I, I haven't seen video of this but um she uh I think that he's recalling the experience of watching her do this and so there's a section in here where um yeah I'll just, the, sorry go ahead I, I was just the, gonna read the last paragraph out loud but you go read it read away uh so the last paragraph of this um excerpt from the script or whatever goes um 
So she goes around and climbs up on the hood of the Ferrari and holds her dress up around her waist and spreads herself across the windshield in front of me with no panties on. And she's got this Brazilian wax job. Don't don't even think I'm making this up. You can't make this up. She was a dancer, so she does this full split. And then she starts running herself up and down on the glass. And she leans down to see if I'm watching right now as if I'm sitting there reading my email and kisses me upside down. And then she tells me this. I'm going to come. <laughs> Sorry. And then she takes out her squeegee and hands out uh, her palm for some money. <laughs> I love the fact, though, that in the script, he's he's comparing it to one of the fish that sucks on the glass of the of the aquarium. <laughs> yeah, that is a glucostomus or a Chinese algae eater, one or the other. I will never be able to go to an aquarium now without getting a stiffy. <laughs> you know, we had uh, we had an email conversation about this. And um, oh, the last question you asked, Terry, scriptwriter, male or female, scriptwriter was a man. All right. Uh, which, so our email discussion, I thought, was really good. It was about whose fantasy is this? Like, would women really do this in real life? What woman wants to rub her vagina against glass? I mean, yeah, I, I'm i not understanding how that would feel very good, the smooth and, surface glass. But whatever. And I think that it's the whole thing is born of the fact that the sports car is a male phallic power symbol. Right. You know, and one of the one of the typical things is that you buy, you know, if you're feeling like you're, you know, mid 40s and and you've lost whatever potency you once had, you go out and you buy a sports car. Right. Which is which explains my Honda Civic. <laughs> um well, yeah. I don't imagine that the glass would uh, feel that good to a woman, but I suppose uh, she might get a thrill out of putting on a show for a guy she likes. Right. The visual thing of him on the other side of glass might be interesting. But, yeah, in terms well, of tactile. They do make smooth glass sex toys. Well, well yeah. That's, but that, well, yeah but that's, that's not, they're not type, flat, though. presumably. <laughs> they're not. They're also not shaped like a windshield. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can you imagine that's... buying that toy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought the email discussion was really good. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, women masturbating themselves. You can't do it in prime time. Uh, apparently, and now I can't, What what is the name of the show? What is it? I've got the article up. It's something royal. Rain? Something Rain. like that? Rain. Oh, Rain. Yeah. 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 A period Rain. drama Rain has sparked an important debate over censorship. So apparently these girls were watching something that was fairly erotic and one of them goes off to pleasure herself and uh well a b- basic betting ceremony where uh, you okay. know the crowd it sounds like to me it's where the um wedding crowd takes the bride and groom up to the um bedroom and actually strips them naked and gets them started. Okay. And there was a tradition of that. Okay. So betting after, with a D, not with a T, right? Right. So betting. apparently after this, one of the women was uh, feeling pretty randy and went to take care of herself. And uh, and so, but apparently that was too racy. Um, you can show rape, torture, suicide on television, but not a woman masturbating. So they have to, so I guess in the final scene, they imply that she was masturbating and somebody else finds her and says, here, let me help you with that. And they go off to have sex. A much older male character. The, the king yeah. of France. The king of France. There we go. Right. Yeah. So that's okay. 
right? Sure. <laughs> totally Let's see. no problem with that. The scene was you mostly know? cut from the pilot. The episode that uh, aired implied the masturbation without explicitly showing it before a much older king of France discovered her. He offered to take uh, he offered to take over and the two have then the two have sex. Uh, and then, of course, that's a fairly. They say that that is a fairly graphic scene, so they can't show her show her masturbating, but they can show this graphic sex scene afterwards. That's so interesting. It's so interesting that that's so taboo still. Well, but it goes back to exactly what you're saying. What you're saying, it's you know that that masturbation guilt, you know that that yeah, we started yeah. the whole segment with. Yeah, well, you, absolutely. You know, I think it brings up an interesting question because there does seem to be um, more of a titillation factor with female masturbation than there is with male masturbation in the media. I mean, most of the time when male masturbation is portrayed, it's depicted as a in the form of a joke. Like, take for example that famous scene from the movie American Pie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think of a few of them. It's yeah. generally treated. It's pretty. It's generally pretty treated as being a pretty awkward thing, whereas female masturbation is generally portrayed as being highly erotic. Mm-hmm. To that's a it, really good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You know, yeah. I I think of the scene from the scene from Forty Year Old Virgin where he's watching the porn. He's trying to get himself off, but he's getting hung up in the plot and he's actually forwarding through the sex scenes and watching the plot instead. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which we Am know I remembering yeah. that it's Star Wars porn too? Or something yes, like that. you are remembering correctly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which of course the plot would have to be accurate to the canon. <laughs> of course. I haven't seen it yet. So who's watching Star Wars porn, the one where they actually have Han shoot Guido and go, shoot first, shoot often. <laughs> There was a review that actually said that Star Wars porn was really a better movie than the prequels. I don't find that hard to believe. (laughs) Although now, uh, if you do that, you can say, well, I I watch porn, but I I do it for the story. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, the Star Wars one, just for the one scene where Han shoots first, gets up, keeps shooting the Guido character, and says, you know, shoot first, shoot often. It's worth it. Uh, well, so I, I it, it was it was interesting, you know, that that this idea of female masturbation was was too taboo for prime time. Yeah, it absolutely is interesting, and it's kind of ridiculous too. Yeah, considering all the, uh, I mean, why are we more hung up on sexual imagery than we are violence? You know, I'm pretty sure I've I've heard a lot of references to female masturbation in the in the at least the current season and the last season. I'm fairly sure I've heard a lot of references. Not necessarily, uh, not necessarily showing anything, but references to it in the script. Of what? Um, I, the the shows I'm thinking of, I'm thinking Last Man Standing may have had at least a couple, and they've got some pretty daring writing anyway. Well, you can talk about it and make jokes about it and stuff, but um, you know, to show it is the main issue. Yeah. Well, well I think like... it's a it's a thing that people you know have a certain deal of uh, uncomfortableness, um, discomfort with. Uh, that you know, um, because it because it is kind of uh, titillating, and it and you you got to uh, uh, wonder where when you cross a line there. So, do we joke about men masturbating because we assume that women aren't titillated by that, but we can't joke about women masturbating, or do we joke? Well, about- you have to realize most of this comes from the male point of view, and men are generally you know the idea of other men masturbating is a joke. And right, because you, because other men, it's not titillating to us. Yeah, right. You couldn't pot, or you can't admit it if it is. Men right? still dominate um, the stuff that comes out. It's you know, and, and we, 
we for so long have set our, the culture in what is acceptable. Well, and also, um, uh, I'm not too sure uh, exactly uh, how many women find uh, men masturbating, uh, titillating, but uh, women uh, have less of a propensity to show it uh, in general. Uh, that uh, they find that kind of stuff titillating or, or to um, want to see that uh, in a, um, a television show. May- or maybe not want- Maybe they do want to see it, they're just uh, not willing to express their um, right. preferences. No, I- I've talked to straight women who have said um, they don't necessarily find the male body that arousing and they actually think the female body is more attractive, but they, they um, are still considering themselves straight. There is a level that... You know, no matter in our society in general, finds the female body and the female sexuality more interesting than the male body and the male sexuality. Well, I think it depends too. I mean, everybody's different, and everybody, you know, everybody has yeah. different preferences, and yeah, yeah. Well, and we can all agree that it, you know, that masturbating is fine. I mean, we should do a quick poll. Raise your hand if you masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> all right it's all of us <laughs> I, I can't raise my hand because of what i'm doing right now <laughs> oh well of course <laughs> if you're not wearing pants you don't have to raise your hand <laughs> i'm operating the mouse damn it right but and if you're gonna masturbate have, have, don't... You, have you ever noticed that uh, that a mouse uh is kind of like a vagina <laughs> okay you, you got uh, the the two buttons, which are the labia, and then the scroll wheel, which is the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't up to that point. I like my mouse much better now. <laughs> Dang it, I use a trackpad. <laughs> oh, you lose. But don't masturbate until it kills you. <laughs> Right, no kidding. Right, because a 16-year-old boy from Brazil has died from over-masturbating. The boy, said to have been active, actively um, addicted to masturbating, has died from doing it 42 times without stopping, according to his mother. Uh, she planned on getting her son help, but it was a little too late. Uh, read more about this. Story. Yeah. Because apparently she was too busy counting. Well, that's what I was wondering. How the heck? So is this a chick trick? Well, she, she, how would you know? One of those, uh, she's got one of those counter ticker things. Click. click. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what, how many times can you masturbate before you're dry firing? I mean, really? <laughs> Over what time span? Well, they, she says in a row. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Well, right. so, so, I mean, the, the story sounded a, a little bit ridiculous to me no way yeah imagine that so i so and when you click on uh like the article that i the first article that i found it links to a source no and maybe it was another one i have another one that claimed to be the source of the article um and it was a another brazilian magazine but the story had oddly enough been taken down um and the story seems to have to have come about sometime in 2011 um, so I did finally um, uh, find it. Somebody on Reddit had had a link to the actual source, and uh, um, it's g17.com, which is a um, um, they they it says on their webpage um, something in Portuguese that I had to translate. It says a portal of humor, satire, and entertainment. But I it and I was writing I was writing um, uh, um, an email back to dumbass who sent the story in the first place and I was kind of you know putting it all together as I as I as I broke it down. But it took me quite a while to finally get um, 
get to the actual source of the article. And uh, so, and I did do um, a translation of the Portuguese to English, and it reads pretty much exactly as the original article that, uh, um, or or the article that I found in English originally. So I, I'm pretty sure that this was a, this was this was the Brazilian Onion who did this story, and it was reported from there as being a true story. Okay, I can verify that the, that this page that you found is an actual Brazilian page. <laughs> you notice how the uh, how all the text is in one strip down the middle. No, That's, Brazilian uh, has no text. <laughs> did, did they have a picture of the giant scrotum that somehow now the mascot to um help inform kids about um testicular cancer? Mm, uh, no, but um, I, I saw a picture of that today. It's very disturbing. A giant scrotum. And that, but but Brazil itself has some odd stuff when it comes to right. But this kind of stuff is happening with the Onion. The Onion occasionally yeah. gets reprinted as being oh, yeah. a real story. Well, the I've Onion is so time. good at tongue in cheek. Well, they, they are. They are. And and this article is. I don't know how it reads in um, uh, in Portuguese, but well, the translation it, is is kind of like yeah, okay. It might be funnier in the culture. Right. It, it doesn't really come across as funny to us. It may come across funnier in the culture. Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, I, I, I have no way yeah. of knowing, but. Well, the culture is looser with sex and stuff than, um, ours is. Are they? That, that's what I understand. You know, admittedly, I've never been down there and haven't had direct contact with them, but the general stuff I've seen coming from them, the, the kid shows do actually have skimpy women in them and stuff like that. They're not as, you know, Puritan as we are. Okay. So that, yeah, I, think, uh, I think that's true about a lot of uh, cultures uh, around the world. I, I saw a um, it's, it's like sometimes you see uh, different uh, shows and cartoons and stuff from uh, different places around the world. I, I once saw a clip of a cartoon from um, I think it was Korea. I'm not entirely sure, but it was showing a um, uh, a cat, and uh, as the cat turned, you could you could see its junk. Like they they yeah. drew that in. Oh wow! And I oh, thought, yeah. wow, that's interesting. And and this was like a, a children's cartoon. So in this this scrotum mascot that from that comes from down in Brazil that you're yes. talking about, what do they call it? Um, I don't remember the name, but basically it's a new thing to help educate people about testicular cancer, and it looks like a big scrotum with a happy face on it. Okay, I'm going to call it Brazil nuts in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I thought it was an interesting little exercise for me of you know how. Well, for one, I you know, um, I, I had never tried to track down something that would be on a foreign uh, foreign web page, and I'm glad somebody else had actually already done it for me. From there, all I had to do was run it through a translator and see if it was coming back as what I was looking for. Well, yeah, I mean, it speaks to the difficulty of trying to find primary sources, right, for right. articles like this. Yeah. All right. So Terry is going to tell us all about dualism. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Do you? Well, first, yeah. I think you need to define dualism for me. Right. So from Wikipedia, it says, uh, in philosophy of mind, dualism is the position that mental phenomena are, in some respects, non-physical, or that the mind and body are not the same thing. So it's this idea that we have a separate other inside of us that's a soul or a spirit or something that's separate from our physical existence. So, um, let's see, I wrote some stuff down. This is the idea that the mind is separate from the body, like a ghost in the machine. It's a short leap from the subjective experience of something more than meat to imagining a spirit or a soul. 
I don't personally buy it because I think that the evidence from neurology and psychology adequately explain this sensation as an artifact of our neurobiology. So I cited an article from Stephen Novella on his Neurologica blog, and uh, the quote is, uh, if the mind is just the brain experiencing itself and there's nothing more, then what would that be like? Why couldn't that be exactly what we experience? How would a mind separate from the brain be any different? The biggest problem with dualism is that the materialist neuroscience model explains all observed phenomena. There's nothing left for the dualist to explain. They're clinging to the notion of qualia, the, sub the subjectivity itself needs a separate explanation, but they have not made this case. Often they use the mere semantics to make it seem as if something more is needed, but there isn't. Further, the dualist hypothesis does not generate any hypotheses or predictions that distinguish it from the materialist hypothesis. Every prediction points to materialism as the answer. I so, thought that uh, was a really good. So, yeah, so, so wait, wait a minute here. Are, are you telling me that I looked up all this <laughs> trivia on fencing to share with you guys for nothing? <laughs> <laughs> In here, I was thinking pistols at twenty paces. Uh, did, did you know that the first true fencing weapon was the rapier? <laughs> yep, I did actually. <laughs> so, so what you're telling me is that. This feeling that I have of being conscious, this is all being created inside my brain. That's what I think. Yeah, so that's... is it also creating the illusion of free will? Oh, I didn't, I don't know about free will. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to discuss free will. Well, and that, that's okay, but it's, it's the same kind of phenomenon, isn't it? Well, I, I don't think quite that way. No? I, I think this is saying there are separate parts to you. Well, kind of, um, to me, we are more than the sum of our parts, but that doesn't mean we have a separate spiritual thing that's not connected to our body. I think that's what dualism is saying, is your spiritual stuff is not necessarily connected to your body, it's separate. Well, that is, yeah, that, that is what dualism is, so, is saying. Free will, I think, has to do with our consciousness is, in some ways, more than the parts. How, however it's put together, it's actually something more than just what it is, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, a, a separate soul kind of thing. And it's kind of like you to, to build a building, you take all these things that by themselves don't do anything. You put them together as a building, and they function and become something more. And that, to me, is kind of how the mind works. Okay, but isn't isn't the, the discussion of consciousness just part of those building blocks as well? And, yeah, as well as free will? How is it different? More than the building blocks themselves because of the way they interact with each other and the way they um, connect. Because you, you take, like I said, once more, t take the raw raw materials of a building, of anything, and just sit them there. They are just the raw materials. You take them, you put them together, you build something like a car. Suddenly that car is something more. And, but in essence, it still is the same building block. But because of how those building blocks were connected and um, formed, it is something more than the building blocks themselves now. It has become something greater. So the building blocks create the, the, the project. Yeah, the building blocks have to be there to create it. The, right. the, the, not separate. The, what is more is part of the building block, but because of how they were um, put together, because of how they interact, because of how they um, are used, they become something more than what they were. So, in and, my analogy, I think the, or I think what how I would describe that regarding dualism is, um, it's my belief that uh, the brain creates the mind. Right. Sure. Mm. Right. Well, dualism says the mind is something separate that just is housed inside the brain. Right. 
And I'm not sure how that relates to free will or consciousness well, either. Well, but I mean, I mean, I know it does, but I'm not sure how to tie it all. I can yeah. see well, how I it could be I used the, either. Sorry, go ahead, dumbass. Yeah, I was just saying. I, I think uh, the thing that people are particularly disturbed about uh, regarding that is they feel that uh, if um, the uh, if your mind, your soul came just from the functioning of your brain, they feel like that is a mechanistic explanation, and that uh, leads to the idea that. Um, uh, everything uh, it happens just according to the laws of physics, and there would be no deviation from that. And that's why I put in the Oprah thing here. I'm not sure how many well, people. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but what he's saying, I feel Oprah. It, what Oprah said here reflects a general idea of that. Okay, I'd like to hold off on on the okay. Oprah conversation though. <laughs> okay. Um, so the um, other. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I could see how this could be used either for or against. Both, um, you know, uh, right to life and, you know, uh, and not to, uh, and what's the word I'm looking for? When, like the Terry Schiavo thing. Assisted suicide. Assist, well, that was, or, that or was kind turning of off the, turn, pulling yeah. the plug. Right. Yeah. I could see, well, I could see how this could be used for it or for, or against it either way. Cause if, you know, if you could say that the mind and body are separate, then clearly in the case of Terry Schiavo, Whatever was Terry Shivo inside the body had fled and was not coming back. You know, same thing with uh, with the uh, the argument against abortion or for abortion in this case. Either way, you don't know when the mind enters the body. Well, but here's the thing: is that that it's it's that piece that I would object to enters the body because the yeah. mind is the body. I mean that that's just right. part of the body. Right, and, but from the dualist standpoint. Okay, right, from the separate. dualist standpoint. Well, I, I want, I want, I just want to make the, the point I wanted to make is that this, that this consciousness idea, this idea that either we have an entity, a spirit, and that's where consciousness comes from, or if it's created inside the mind, right? And, and, and that's, that's a part of this piece of, uh, of this dualism thing. And then it also leads to this discussion of free will. But it also depends on what kind of dualism you're, we're talking about here. You know, I had a, I remember I had a book on like uh, ESP or something when I was uh, a kid. And I remember it actually advancing the point. It said that uh, uh, your, your mind is not a part of your brain or your head. Your mind actually hovers a little bit above the top of your head. And so if anybody ever asks you where your mind is, just point above your head uh, because that's where it is. Oh my God, my mind is in my bird. <laughs> <laughs> all right so <clears throat> uh, and and clearly there, there's a lot more topics here than just dualism that this really affects yeah absolutely so well, the concept of dualism if you look at what wikipedia even gives you is basically as branched out as a, any religion gets you know it, it breaks off into all sorts of different and ideas about it and that's not surprising because anything like that everyone's going to start having their own concepts and it's going to break out. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of these things don't quite work because you can't get a consensus as to exactly what it is and how it's supposed to work. Which, which is also one of the problems I have with, with dualism is that nobody can, nobody agrees on, on what it could possibly be and there's no evidence for any of them. Right. right. One of the problems I have with the Wikipedia page is that uh, it doesn't read very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bit awkward. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very awkward and it's. It really seems like it's talking around stuff rather than clearly stating anything. So sure. 
My viewpoint. Well, I think that 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 kind of speaks to the whole fuzziness of the topic in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, The varied opinions and stuff. So maybe the person who wrote the article on Wikipedia doesn't even really understand the subject. Because this sounds like they're quoting somebody else. Well, they're quoting a a lot of this is Descartes that they're quoting that that where a lot of this stems from. Right. You know, I heard a story about Rene Descartes. I heard that he stopped in a bar one time. And they asked him if he wanted another drink, and he said, I think not, and he completely disappeared. (laughs) So another interesting thing I read recently was a a book by forensic psychologist Andy Thompson, and he explores our evolved psychological mechanisms that provide, that lend us to religious faith, and and there's a little section in there on dualism. Um, His book is called Why We Believe in Gods. He talks about psychological mechanisms like the um, mammalian attachment mechanism, and I have a little quote about an experiment that speaks to that. It's, uh, it's, our, it's our evolved psychological mechanisms that allow us to live in groups, you know, and large, form larger societies that are also um, very well evolved for supporting religious faith. So here's the quote from the book. In a revealing experiment with children, Jesse Baring, a psychologist at Queen's University in Ireland, created a puppet show. In the show, a puppet alligator swallows a puppet mouse. Baring then asked the children various questions about the mouse. Does the mouse still eat? Does the mouse miss its mother? The children knew that the mouse could no longer eat, but they thought it missed its mother. These young children attributed to a dead mouse a mental state that they were unable to conceive no longer exists. So I thought that was really, uh, really interesting. Because I think. <clears throat> speaks to our fear of death. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, further on, he says, uh, regarding the agency detection, um, which is kind of that classic example of you hear a rustle in the grass in the savanna. Maybe it's the wind, maybe it's a tiger, but uh, you're likely to survive your evolution if you think it's a tiger and react as if it's a tiger, even if it's just the wind, because the cost of running away is from the wind is far less than the cost of not running from a tiger. So he talks about agency detection device um, contributes to religious beliefs because it allows and even favors inference of unseen agents, almost mm. always human or human-like agents. Once the mind makes such a connection, it's an easy leap to belief in a ghost or spirit or even an all-powerful one. That's interesting. I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, I just, I, this is a really good book. It's mostly about religion and, you know, the attachment mechanism was really interesting, you know, about, um, he has a section in here about uh, the way two-year-old children reach up to a parent is the same way that religious people reach up to a god. Like the, the physical reaching up is exactly the same, the pick me up and hold me gesture. Um, and yeah, I do, I think it speaks to our fear of death. Um, friend, a friend I used to have, uh, well, he, I still have a friend, but he's in a different state now. We don't talk nearly as much. But he, uh, one of the things he made mention of when I knew him was that you're supposed to pray with your arms open wide. And that was the image I got in my mind of when you said that about a child reaching up toward its parents and a human reaching up toward God. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah, it's all just really fascinating. Do you think that the different types of dualism that they point out, is is there any benefit in going through any of these? Or are they Sorry. all kind of the same things in different guises? I wonder if it's what Novella said, like it's semantics. We're trying to um, use different, yeah, like different words for kind of the same thing. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, the materialistic view is is pretty clear cut. You know, it's the mind yeah. that's generating it. How exactly it's doing it, that's what we're still trying to find out. 
Oh, but there's a section in my book. Let's see if I can find it because I highlighted that too. Um, he talks about the brain. Sorry, I had it all queued up and then I lost it. Oh, here we go. Um, so he talks about the actual physical uh, processes. Um, so he says, uh, the medial frontal area of our brains, just behind the space between our eyes, contains the circuits for introspection, awareness of our own non-physical attributes, our emotional states and traits, and our own wishes and desires. It's also the part of our brain with which we reflect on the abstract, other people's minds, and their intentions and beliefs, desires, and feelings, their non-physical attributes. This ability is not learned. It's innate, hardwired. The brain represents minds and body in separate neural circuits. This allows us to separate minds from bodies to experience and believe that they are entirely different categories. But they're both within the brain, is his argument. Well, that's also Stephen Novella's argument. Right. I mean, and I, I would say I am partial to that explanation myself. But I am certainly not schooled enough to, to you know, to, to say one way or the other. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, uh, if, for me personally, I defer to the, to the, um, neuroscience, really. And I don't, I don't know much about neuroscience. So I have to, you know, uh, kind of put my, uh, trust in the scientific method and the scientists who actually studied this and who understand what's going on. Um, one of your articles in here gives kind of a pluses and minuses to dualism. Yeah, so this is really interesting. There's an article on the NIH website that actually challenges my personal opinion. Um, and uh, it's called Mind Body Dualism, a Critique from a Health Perspective. It contains an interesting flowchart about how the dualistic paradigm has influenced the evolution of medical practice with both positive and negative results. So I guess early on when Descartes um, proposed the separation, it kind of opened the floodgates to medical research because prior to that, the Catholic Church had blocked like dissections and things like that. So dualism was good in that it finally allowed people to actually do medical research and it advanced the field of medicine. This um, author argues, though, that um, we're not doing a service to people now by keeping those things so separate. And uh, let's see, she critiques the contemporary approach to treating only the body and the biological causes of disease while ignoring or marginalizing mental health, cultural factors, which, and what she refers to as spiritual context of diseases, along with the lived subjective experience of patients. She seems to me to be arguing for a unity of mind slash body in medicine, um, which she calls dualism, uh, you know, just like we do, but I'm not sure if her definition is exactly what I think the definition is. And, um, I agree, you know, that a broader approach, including mental health and that acknowledges cultural context is probably, uh, gonna increase patient uptake and cooperation with, with standard medical advice. I'm pretty uncomfortable with the idea of doc, that doctors should address spiritual health, whatever that means to her. So, yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess, I mean, it, I guess then we have to define what the spirit is. You know, is it, is it Again, just that piece yeah. of us that, that feels you know, like it, like it's conscious. Right. And, and in some ways, that's exactly what psychology, under that definition, that is kind of what psychology is, is addressing. Sure. Does that fall under mental health, maybe? Yeah. It, it certainly does. Mental health is important. Right. And but I think just, that is spiritual health a subcategory of mental health. I'm well, wondering. yeah. I, if, if people have this idea that they have this spirit, a, a psychologist kind of has to take that into account when they are treating them. Sure. But that's a very different type of, uh, of of medical treatment, though, than, you know, setting a broken bone or heart surgery. Right, or giving me a tetanus shot for red rash. Right. And, and, and <laughs> in that particular case, I, I you know, it doesn't matter <laughs> whether I have a soul or not, you know. Right. 
But it's also yeah. important for a doctor to recognize when, when the, the patient needs that psychological help. What I thought was interesting about her article is she talked about, um, she kind of used that, um, the way that modern medicine doesn't address the spirit or the soul or whatever as one of the reasons people turn to alternative and, you know, it's like scam medical care stuff that is not science-based medical care, uh, alternative medicine. I thought that was interesting and I, it's probably, uh, people are probably drawn to that. Well, we've talked about this before. One of the benefits of homeopathy and some of these alternative therapies is that these practitioners do spend more time with the client. They, right. they, they have more time to spend with the client as well. And that, that sense of, of somebody actually caring and taking that, that extra time to, to talk to you goes a long way towards healing. It's that bedside manner. Right. Yeah, and you're much more likely to follow the doctor's advice if you've developed a rapport, I think, right. too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so how – I had kind of some discussion topic ideas. How does it factor into how we process death? Does it make it easier to process death to think that we survive in some form after? Well, I think that's one of the reasons that it came about. Right. Well, you know, um, I kind of think – because like the whole dualism thing, that's the cudgel they've been using in order to try to explain – uh, why they think there is life after death. But I, I kind of think that, uh, especially with uh, science advancing as it is now, that they're kind of showing a lack of imagination in that uh, area because um, there there are uh, other ways that you could postulate that life after death might exist without, you know, uh, specifying that uh, a, a dualistic uh, form, or at least not a dualism in the form that, uh, um, that uh, the brain uh, needs to exist because... Um, you, you can you can specify something that uh, somehow the information in the brain is copied after death somehow into another state, and you can still say that uh, the the well it was the brain that causes uh, uh, consciousness in life. You don't have to say that there was some sort of special spiritual thing in embodying the person. Sure, like if we upload our brains, are we still us after? Yeah, well, that, that's a question, yeah. too. And that, that's another way that there could be life after death. And you can postulate situations where something like that could happen, perhaps naturally, and say that life after death exists in this way, but the brain still controls our consciousness and all that in life. Sure. Uh, you know, and th there is a... Um... I don't know how what, how good his physics is, but there is one of these guys that... Um... Oh, Alex Satiris has talked to, who is a physicist who, who believes that through quantum mechanics, he can show that the soul exists. <laughs> and it, 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 it seems, uh, it's probably going a step further than what you're talking about, but there are people that are attempting to do that very kind of thing. I, I just don't, how do you, how do you prove it? How do you test it? Right. How do you disprove it? You'd have to figure out if there is life after death. You would have to figure out exactly what was going on first. And um, so far, it seems that the only way, if there is life after death, to figure that out is to die. Right, but then how do you come back and tell your like? Yeah. Well, if, <laughs> there, a ghost. if, if there is right. nothing, you it, don't. It, it seems like unless something unless something changes, if there is life after death, that we will never know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, one article I linked to to I thought was really sad. So this. Um, it's a terrible source. It's the Daily Mail, but it's a story about this twelve-year-old uh, girl who uh, whose father died, and she just, I guess, couldn't quite process or whatever, and probably multiple factors. But the, in this, she committed suicide, and in the suicide note, she left her mother. It was something about wanting to be with her father again. Yeah, I saw that. That was kind of disturbing. 
Yeah, what harm that idea. Like it, to me, that just really brings home the potential harm of that idea. And also the harm that is wrought by people like John Edwards and other mediums or whatever who claim to communicate with your dead relatives. That's so, um, it just victimizes vulnerable people, in my opinion. Well, you could also say that there's harm, though, in saying that there is nothing after this because it makes people who want to believe that there is something afterwards, it makes them lose hope. It may it may actually be said to contribute in its own way to suicide. If there's nothing after this, then what's the point in living on? Well, but that's a failure uh, from of religion in the first place. Yeah. I mean, the the fact of the but matter is, is because we're telling people, people that have it, uh, I realize that, but we're, but that is the carrot and the stick that religion uses. Yeah. Well, I can honestly say in my life back when I did believe, when I had some form of belief in God and stuff, I was in a much darker place. And um, and then when I kind of realized there wasn't any in that, I kind of put more faith into myself and stuff. I was able to pull my life together. So, yeah, I, I felt the same way too. Uh, you know, because because I because my feeling was is that if there is this God and and everything is predetermined, what's the point? It is hard to process that this is all there is, in my opinion, because it is hard. But then if you think about things like um, the wonder of the natural world, and we're made yeah. of the stuff of stars. I mean, that to are me. You, now, going go into the open well, world. Thing, clearly, you're no atheist, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> you have awe. Okay, okay, Ian. Yes, yes, we can uncage the Brian, beast. Brian, before you say anything against Oprah Winfrey, Oprah said it, I believe it, that settles it. Oh. Okay, so, and I've definitely felt this could be connected to dualism and the, the different sides of it. Apparently on the Oprah Winfrey show, she had a guest on who was an atheist. Not and, apparently, there's empirical evidence for that. It's demonstrable. <laughs> So she, did, she had a guest on who was an atheist. <laughs> and um, Oprah basically said, uh, do we have the actual line here? Yeah. If you believe in the awe, I don't consider you an atheist because that's what God is. God is the awe. It's not some man with a beard in the sky. How'd yeah. I do? Yeah. Basically what she was saying is atheists can't actually experience wonder. They can't have any sense of spirituality. If you have any sense of spirituality, any sense of wonder in the universe, you're not an atheist because as far as Oprah's concerned, what gives the universe the wonder and stuff is God. And well, you know, if God is awe, I've, I've never uh, uh, denied that awe exists, so I guess that means that uh, I must believe that God exists. I only That's feel it while masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea... Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> but I feel all, all, all the time. There's, there's amazing things out there. The, the world is full of incredible stuff. Well, that's the thing. Spirituality does not need religion to exist. And as Terry was just saying, the stardust idea, I, I've always loved that. I, I wish I could, I, I still looked at the actual quote for this, but there's a great quote in Babylon 5 about how we're all from the stars and we each had of our own light that's unique. And it, it was a really great quote by Delin. Um, but it was a powerful quote because it's not saying we're um, you know, it, it wasn't referencing God or anything like that, but it was saying we're all part of something bigger. We can look at ourselves, and we, along with everything on the Earth, was once, you know, the same stuff that came from the stars. I think Carl Sagan uh, is a, maybe the um, source for that. Yeah. And then there's also the idea, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, people say, oh, well, if there's no God, I feel insignificant. Well, <laughs> you have to compare things. Okay. You look well, wait, hold on, but that that's the problem that, that Mac is referring to. But think of an ant compared to us to begin with. That This is the first step I'm going with. There's actually steps uh, both directions so far beyond. 
An ant compared to us, the ant seems insignificant, yet that ant plays a vital role within its ant hill. It is part of the universe. It is star stuff just like us. We're on the Earth. We feel kind of insignificant compared to the Earth. Yet, once more, we play a role on the planet, and um, just like the Earth, we're star stuff. The Earth by itself in this our solar system is insignificant. It is a speck. I mean, it's, it's barely noticeable if you look at the whole solar system. You're going to have the Sun and Jupiter mainly stick out. But Earth is just this little speck in there. Yet the Earth is significant. It plays a role. And once more, star stuff, just like the Sun and Jupiter. Then you look, go beyond that to our galaxy. Our solar system's a little speck in the galaxy. And yet once more, the same pattern's there. And even beyond the galaxy, the universe, our galaxy's a little speck in the universe. I mean, to try and say, because there's no God, we're insignificant, no. Because scale-wise, everything's insignificant at some point. But it, um, it's all star stuff. It's all connected, you know, and it doesn't need to have a higher being, a god, or anything like that to make it significant, to make it um, part of a functioning whole. And if you want to tell me I'm not spiritual, screw you. I, I have a spiritual sense. It's just I don't need to believe in God. To, I, I understand my, you know, my, my connection to the universe. You know, that you was know, um, you're, Sagan's you're, pale blue dot. What, what, wasn't it Galileo that the um, um, that they turned around? From Jupiter to look at Earth. Yeah, they, 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 I think that was or one of the Apollo. I yeah, think I it was Galileo, it. wasn't it? So many different ones we put up there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's relative. And if you want to feel insignificant, you're going to feel insignificant. But if you want to feel connected to the whole universe, you are connected. <laughs> well, and you know, to appreciate the unlikelihood of you, like the absolute yeah. unlikelihood of you, is just so. Uh, it is. It's awe-inspiring to imagine that we exist in this moment. Yeah. And it's, I, one, I, of the, it's one of those things that uh, I've uh, I've often thought about as well. Like I, I I've been going over this in my head actually. That you know you hear people uh, saying things like you know they look up at the nice guy and it doesn't it make you feel insignificant? And I've never really uh, quite understood what that meant because it seems to me like uh, there are like you said there are a lot of scales to thing and I'm as significant as I need or want to be in my own life. I'm significant to the people around me. I'm significant um, in, in a lot of ways to uh, people who appreciate what I do. I mean, I, I'm as significant as I as I want to be. Uh, I, I'm not sure why I would want to be significant to the stars. And but no, you are though. You are a functioning part of the universe. If whether or not you know you're ever going to go beyond the Earth, you're still a functioning part of the universe. You are as significant to the stars as anything else is. There's no logic to say otherwise. Well, but I think the point that the dumbest is getting at is why is there this need to feel insignificant in the first place? And does the does the concept of religion sponsor this feeling of insignificance to people as well? I think it promotes it more than it does um, to quince it. Well, that's what I think, too. Uh, that's what you know, I felt. Wait, so are we arguing that um, religion makes people feel insignificant? That's well, what I believe. Yeah, that's what I'm arguing. I'm, they, I'm they, arguing both sides of the thing. They try I mean, to they, they, people a feel strip. insignificant without religion, but that maybe the religion itself also makes them feel insignificant. There's a there's a comic strip. I I, I think it's a a, a far side. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, there there are two guys uh, out on the grass in a uh, on a hill, and it's a beautiful starry sky out. And one of them is laying face down in the dirt, and he says, "Kind of makes you feel significant, doesn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you look at it from this other point of view of, of a god who's created the whole universe and this small, small, little, tiny, insignificant planet has a whole bunch of life on it that he thinks is special compared to the whole rest of the universe. And he's watching you masturbate. And he's, and he's watching you masturbate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> I mean that that's that's the piece that I don't get. Why 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 are we so significant to this creator that's created this whole universe? Yeah. All I can say I, is it looks like Oprah may not actually know what atheism what atheism is. Well, I don't think so understand spirituality because he's making references to the. I, that's why I, the next link was spirituality, and I, I love encyclopedia. Uh, Wikipedia starts off. The term spirituality lacks a definitive definition. That, that's exactly how it starts off. And I remember. That, that's perfect. Go ahead. Yeah. But no, that, that's the perfect way to look at it. It lacks a definitive definition. Right, go ahead. Yeah, I, I remember this one comedian uh, one time saying, talking about uh, uh, God, and he's saying, you know, God's out there, and he's like, I am going to move this star here so that its light shines and creates a refraction. Wait, what? Hold on. Oh. Wait, yeah, no, no, no problem. Yeah, enjoy your meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to just regarding the Oprah thing. I just wanted to point out how insulting it is that she. So this woman self-identifies as an atheist. She self-identifies whatever. That's how she views herself. And for Oprah to just say, "Well, I don't think you are an atheist because I. This is my other definition of spirituality." It's like someone saying to me, "I don't think you're a woman because you." whatever because of how your hair's short like i don't think you're a woman because your hair's too short it is that kind you're of not thing. a real you know the, right. the whole the whole irony of oprah's thing was she was basically trying to say you know i think you're something nice but she was doing it by basically taking the person's self-identification and and dismissing it Th that's really interesting is that whole idea that yeah. an atheist can't be moral or an atheist can't be a good person or a nice person and she's talking to this nice person she can't reconcile it because atheists are these nasty people that are on the internet who are always bashing god she's trying to make her feel better about herself <laughs> <laughs> well, but but it's it's an interesting point is is this yeah. all because because oprah doesn't that doesn't equate atheism with good people Possibly. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it is not that. I've had that. You know, I've been told I can't be spiritual. I can't right. um, have morals. I can't. I'm not allowed to debate the Bible because I'm an atheist. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. I can never understand it. You have to look at, through it at a, through a Christian filter in order to understand it. You're an atheist, but you're such a good person. You're such a nice person. <laughs> Someone, this nice librarian said to me the other day, she has a, she's just beautiful and she has this voice like Maya Angelou and she seems so calm and peaceful. And she said, can you believe there are some people who don't believe there's a creator of the universe? <laughs> well, you're yes. talking to one. Yes, I can. <laughs> uh, I have evidence. <laughs> Right, but the, I mean, uh, we and I draw kind of hard definitions. You know, atheism is atheism is a belief in God, or or atheism is a non-belief in God. You don't. It's it's you know, you're you're a theist or non-theist. Right. And and non-belief in any God. In any God, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you can be an atheist to certain gods. You can believe in you can disbelieve in Thor, but still believe in Zeus. I mean, whatever. Well, I, I suppose that's legal. Atheism. Well, isn't it though? Isn't isn't a lot of this stuff selective? I mean, but yeah, but for the most part, in atheism, atheist is somebody who does not believe in a in in a god, in a deity. 
But we can also say, well, what is religion? There, there's another un, un, really undefined term. As far as I'm concerned, it has to have a deity. But somebody will say, well, no, but now Buddhism is is not a, not a religion under your definition. Yeah, you know, I, I think I found kind of some some evidence uh, online that perhaps atheism is getting you know uh, a less um, uh, menacing uh, vibe to it. Are you aware of this um, this meme that was going around Reddit a little while uh, and takes a place in a, a boardroom? It's a little comic that takes place in a boardroom, and you just replace the words the guy says with other with other things. And uh, the the boss at the front end says something, and then uh, two of the people give uh, give. Uh, you know, uh, really bad solutions, and one person gives a sensible solution, and the boss uh, stares at him, and the guy, and then throws him out the window. Right. Have you seen that one? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I've seen that one. Oh well, a lot of people. I'll I'll send uh, I'll send you guys a copy of what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I found this one on the uh, on the internet about uh, atheists, and the boss is at the front of the room, and he says, "All right, guys, what can we do to dis- to discriminate against religious people?" And uh, the the first person says, "Ruin their Facebook posts." The second one says, "Annoy them." And the third guy says, "I think we should just live and let live." And the boss stares at him angrily. The guy's just sitting there coolly, and then the boss throws him out the window. <laughs> so, but it, but I thought this was evidence that uh, that uh, atheism is becoming atheism is becoming less menacing because apparently the two things that uh, that the people came up with that were the things that. Uh, the evil atheists uh, were doing was ruining people's Facebook posts and annoying them. Sure. Right. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I mean, it, certainly the, there's a place for having those discussions and for, you know, for people to be angry atheists. But for the most part, atheists in, in everyday life are just like everybody else. Yep. You know, Brian, there is an irony here. <laughs> there you, is? You are a, just you one? Are a, you are an avowed atheist. No. I, I am a self-declared atheist. Okay. You are a self-declared atheist. And yet you dip into, uh, you dip into religion to name your birds. Well, but you, uh, let's, you, let's what, be, you decided let's... you didn't want to name one of them random chance and one of them evolution. <laughs> you know what? Those are great names. Why not? I'm going to name one of them natural <laughs> random selection. Random chance is actually one Ran- random chance is actually a pretty good name for a Yeah, con. yeah, that's, that's true. No, I mean, there, there is no, there is no, uh, there's no contradiction there. I can like this stuff, and in fact, I I, I like I, I like you know Roman mythology and Greek mythology far better because they're I'm far more removed from them. If I was just as removed from um, from Christianity, maybe I would like names <laughs> like you know Rebecca. Actually, you know, I think the thing that I love about Greek mythology is the fact that the the gods are extremely human and in, and in fact petty. Sure. Well, I mean, so is the Christian God. The Christian God. <laughs> it depends on it depends on which which bipolar phase you're talking. Well, about. Uh, yeah. That, okay. There's that. You know, because you know, Old Testament, he was in his he was in his in his wrathful down phase, and New Testament, he was in his medicated all loving phase. I, I like to refer to that first part as his um, toddler tantrum phase. <laughs> So anyway, can we? Yeah, we, yeah, we can. We can move on. I think. Science? I think that we're ready. Do you, Do you have a good segue for us for this next piece? Not really. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, I've been. Re- I just finished, in fact, reading the Dan Brown book, The Lost Symbol. Not as famous as The Da Vinci Code, um, but it's the third book in the series. First one being Angels and Demons. Second being The Da Vinci Code. Third one is The Lost Symbol. And I thought the Da Vinci Code was first. No, oh. no, that's the it was the first movie, but it was not the first book. Oh. 
And, you know, my sister told me, oh, it's great. It's, it's wonderful. They're, they're, you know, they're running around finding all these secret hidden code things in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, I actually saw that movie and it had Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> exactly. <But laughs> anyway, one of the focuses of the book, however, is that one of the characters is a scientist studying what's termed noetic science. And I had to look this up and see if this was a real thing. And apparently this is, apparently it, it is a real thing and it predates the lost symbol by, you know, some say that noetic science was actually, is the oldest science and it was created in the time of, of the Greek philosophers and things like that. But the basic upshot of noetic science is that thoughts have energy and mass and thoughts that are directed can affect the world. It's um the secret. <laughs> I was going to go with it's the force, but okay, it's the secret. <laughs> it's the force. <laughs> no, let's keep it real. <laughs> okay, so it's the force. No, um, it's the secret. <laughs> I I would debate with you which of those is more real. Yeah. How but about anyway, uh, um, no? You know the the theory. The theory is good. It, oh, thoughts it is? are thoughts have energy. You know, they must have energy because we're thinking them. Thoughts have mass. Well, if it has energy, it must have some form of mass. And it can affect the world because it has energy and mass. This is a, this isn't a theory. This is not even a hypothesis. This is a random quandary. So thoughts are occurring in our brains. Yeah. And the energy is our synapses firing. Right. And the mass is whatever the transmission between the neurons or like, I don't understand. I, I don't I don't understand all of it either. I find it an inter- an interesting thought, and I thought it would be uh, an interesting thing to relate to the concept of dualism, also. Well, but aren't they saying that aren't, aren't they actually saying that you can manipulate the physical world through your thoughts? Yes. Okay, that's what the secret is. Yeah, I know that. It's not really much that of a secret is. anymore, is it? <laughs> is it? Not, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how many books has she sold? <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a secret. It's like Victoria's Secret. She doesn't have any left. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 the secret, and it's the power of prayer, which is kind of interesting and kind of ironic because if the power of prayer has the power to change the world, why doesn't it heal the sick? Well, nothing fails like prayer. So back in my transition from religion to atheism, I went through a transitional phase where I was kind of exploring other things. And uh, I took a class. It was like a community college enrichment class. I think it was maybe a senior in high school. Um, put on by the Institute of Noetic Sciences. It was like just a community class. And so, you know, 20 adults. And we read about UFOs and kind of, you know, talked about all, like every, all the paranormal type of stuff. Uh, we talked about, and then we had this really powerful um, and lovely solstice ceremony where we all lit candles and, you know, celebrated the return of the sun. And, like, there were parts of it that were kind of cool in the sense of community. And at the time, I bought it all. I bought it all because it seemed so well evidenced. There is this whatever, former astronaut or astrophysicist or somebody who's in charge of this, who says this is true. Well, he knows more than I do. And all these adults believe in all of this stuff and yeah i think we can i think we can spot that logical fallacy by now right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah this was years ago appeal to authority yeah and then just the whole i mean it was it was kind of interesting it would be interesting to go back and do a class like that now i think and and notice all of the things i missed before 
all of the kind of manipulative aspects of that. Yeah. See, my my thing with the noetic science thing is that it sounds it sounds like it could be plausible if you think about it the right way, but it sounds really really hard to prove. Yeah. It be, it sounds like it'd be incredibly hard to quantify, and of course, what we're here for is we're looking at things that can actually be quantified. Right. Right, but if you just want to make a lot of money, this works. Sure. Yeah, it was one of, I don't know. Yeah, it, everybody in the class that I was in uh, was very earnest. Like, they were the type of people who are really concerned about being spiritual and loving and kind of, I mean, everyone was super nice and, and uh, you know, like, it's like they needed something other than than the natural world to feel fulfilled. But we see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, this, this is not, it, it, we, we've been talking about it all night. This, this, you know, this, this feeling of needing something more, this fear of death, this, this idea that we, you know, we need to, we need to know that something comes next because otherwise, what are we doing here now? Right. It, it's, I, I think it's damaging. I mean, to yeah. this idea that, that, that we have to, there has to be something more because quite frankly, what we're doing right now, I, what does it matter what comes next? This is what's important to me. You know, I've said before that um, if uh, you know, we might ha- there might be life after death. There might not. Um, uh, I don't think anybody really knows. And uh, if there is life after death, one day I'm going to find out. Uh, if there isn't, it won't matter to me anymore. <laughs> exactly. Right. I think the reason uh, I have trouble with it is if there's not life after death. The people who are sure that there is life after death sometimes use that belief as an excuse to behave badly now, right? Because well, they get a second chance. There is some of that, but but that's kind of where religion steps in, you know, with the carrot and the stick, saying, "Listen, we got this heaven thing, right? But but you've got it. But you've got to do all these things now in order to get there. It, you know, it, it, so we have to use a control mechanism to to compensate for that very piece that you're talking about. Yeah, that's true. you know, I I I heard a comic a couple of times over the last couple of weeks talking about how you go you go do crap all all week and then on Sunday you go to church and basically pay your fine for <laughs> for what you did all week. Right, yeah. exactly. And you know, he's t- I, I loved his comment about some guy dies and goes to hell. He's like, "Oh crap, I missed a payment." <laughs> <laughs> Or you well, don't think you have to worry about uh, your carbon footprint or greenhouse gases because who cares, right? Because right, yeah. because God isn't going to flood the world again. The rapture's coming or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the, there's another one. You know the rapture is always coming. There's always somebody who says that the rapture is coming, and the Westboro Baptists are, are the latest. Oh yeah, do they have a date? <laughs> oh no, they don't have a date, but the, but they but they've seen the signs of the end time because the Antichrist has, has showed himself. Ah. Barack Obama's the Antichrist. Barack Obama, yeah. Of course. <laughs> he doesn't have a blue turban on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's one thing I remember from my from my Nostradamus. Blue turban. <laughs> blue turban, huh? Blue turban. So, but, yeah, we have to focus on the now, right? As far as right. I can tell, this is all we've got. And yep. if we do that, and if and if and if we can get pe- the, the, change this whole mindset of this idea that we're living for the for the, what's comes next, and instead we're living for the now, and and we're and we're just trying to make this world a little bit better for the next generation, then you know the, that the, for me that's good enough, right? Um, some people that for whatever reason they need more, and, and we and I, I hear this a lot when I listen to these Christian podcasts. You know, it's like, well, if there's nothing more, you know, what what is the point of all this now? 
and it, it's sad. Well, I think you fail to appreciate too, like the focus on the next phase or whatever. You fail to appreciate, like what we were talking about, the beauty around us and the all around us, and our family and our friends and our relationships and all of that kind of stuff that we experience now. Right. Yeah, we we clearly all feel the awe. There's not a one of us here that doesn't, <laughs> right? Raise your hands. Can't. <laughs> what I'm doing. Still? <laughs> I'm still using the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me ask you this, Ian. Okay. Directed to you. Okay. Boy Scout leaders. Okay. Desecrating national parks. Go. Oh yeah. Actually, I, I've already had a couple conversations on this one. Um. So the what Sean Mac, whatever you want to call him, is referring to is recently a bout of men, I think two of them, two of the three men were actually active Boy Scout leaders, were going through a national park, and they decided to take it upon it themselves. Goblin Valley State Park. Yes, Goblin Valley State Park in Utah. These men decided to take it upon themselves to deal with a boulder they felt was um, dangerous. Um, besides the fact that they violated federal laws, which is, um, <laughs> a bit messed up, they also violated the basic scout, um, idea of leave no trace. Um, if they honestly felt it was unsafe, the logical, smart thing to do would be to go and talk to a, um, ranger and say, hey, listen, have you guys looked into this? We think it's been safe. Because there are ways that the national parks can go in and actually fix these problems that don't destroy, you know, the beauty of nature. So, yeah, it's, it's it would pretty seem messed to me that, up. It would seem to me that leaving no trace, part of that would be not uploading the video. See, the that was, yeah, that, that was yeah. just stupidity beyond stupidity. But so the they left trace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, I mean, the, so the video's up, and so so now they're, you know, this whole, well, we thought it was unsafe thing is just covering their tracks. I mean, give me a break. These yeah, fucking no one... ignorant redneck bastards. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Yeah. And, but, you know, they think they have a right to do shit, like, yeah. like throw their... Well, they don't need to have awe in the, national, the natural world. Yeah, but... Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously they're facing charges, both uh, state level and federal level. Don't know how that will go. The Boy Scouts have basically said, okay, we're done with you guys. You aren't following our principles, and you're openly, you know, doing it at, to such an extent, you know, you're banned from Scouts. So being this stupid has cost them, and looks like it will continue to cost them. So, don't they don't they send an Eagle Scout with a rifle to take them out from like three hundred well, yards? Well, so here's the thing about here's the thing about Goblin Valley though, because I have actually spent quite a bit of time down there riding my bike, and uh, there are those hoodoos everywhere. I mean, the one they there the the sandstone forms, and you know, there's weaker spots, pockets or spots, and water and wind erode the weaker spots and form these hoodoos, and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous, and you don't let your kids walk under the stuff that looks rickety. Like, that's all there is to it. You leave it the hell alone. But like I said, there are ways they can, you know, prop those up better that keep the natural beauty of it. They know or not. They Just let them fall naturally. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you guy. know what the, the problem is, Terry? What you're suggesting is people should have a basic idea of how physics works. Or ethics. Just a basic <laughs> sense of ethics about not... Well, no, but if I'm supposed to know that that thing is going to collapse, you know, I have to be able to look at it and structurally identify, you know, its weak spots and say, okay, I shouldn't walk under that. (laughs) Yeah, because that's really hard to do. Well, I mean, when you, it depends on how many beers I've had. 
Well, and the whole point, too, is when, in my opinion, when you are off trail, when you're out away from the visitor center, when you're on a dirt road, when you're whatever, when you're bushwhacking or whatever, you don't deserve the expectation of that level of safety. Like, you have to be able to take care of yourself or you stay at the damn campground or stay by the visitor center. Don't leave... Uh, you know, the safety and security of your little concrete world if you can't handle it. Now, of course, one of the interesting things is apparently Glenn Taylor, the guy who physically was the one knocking the boulder over, he's, um, I read an article that apparently um, he's getting some money for a back injury he sustained some time ago that was um, apparently caused him all sorts of problems. So not only does he have those other stuff coming up, but he's now um, looking at some... um, Insurance fraud? Yeah, fraud charges for claiming to have these back problems when he you know, seemed to have no problem whatsoever pushing that rock over. And I was ready to high-five and looked like he was feeling pretty good afterwards. So what, it's just, I, I can't <laughs> it's it. like, <laughs> the whole, like the, like, the phallic symbology and all of it is just, oh, this fucking guy. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to it. And, and the way they celebrate afterwards... It, it definitely makes you think, yeah, if, if, if I was doing something for safety, I don't think I'd be talking about how cool that if was. If there's any part of this that is definitely going to hang them, it's the fact that they celebrated it afterwards. Yeah. Well, but they so. had just done a good thing in America and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was back in the the other day, and I saw a Budweiser can that has an American flag on it, and someone had like tossed it in the side of the, you know, to the side of the road, and I was like, "Yeah, that's America, right? The fuck there, that patriotic Budweiser can littering up the state park where I ride my bike." You actually, I think you actually actually have to say America. America. <laughs> no, just I think America. actually, I think it's a uh, three-syllable word, America. America. What I, was that, dumbass? Wait, 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 wait. Take, take off, take off the a at the beginning. America. America. Okay, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Um, yeah, Budweiser cans are all kind of patriotic, really. Uh, the Budweiser cans are all done in red, white, and blue. Yeah. So an American flag is not that much of a stretch. What I, I guess what saddens me is the fact that. I don't think that the person who tossed aside the can probably even noticed there was an American flag on it. Probably not. And officially, according to the proper flag etiquette, you are not supposed to put a, um, an image of a flag on anything disposable. Yeah. <laughs> really? Well, and that, <laughs> that, that can you got to keep that damn can for as long as you live. <laughs> that can yeah, touch the ground. So technically, they would well, have no. to burn the burn the no, can. No, that's a uh, um. Yeah, that's, that, that's misinformation. It's it's it, disrespectful to have it touch the ground, but you don't have to burn it. That's right. Let the Boy Scout tell us all about it. You tell us. But but no, seriously. Um, <laughs> according to flag etiquette, we should not have the napkins, the plates, anything, even those little um toothpick flags. Those are all disposable things, and they, um, if you're following proper flag etiquette, none of that should be made. Well, but, how else would we identify ourselves as fucking redneck, ignorant <laughs> bastards? We didn't hey. have that lazy patriot. Well, actually, um, you could even go so far as to put, it, basically another disrespectful thing is to put the flag in any situation that will cause it damage. And you, you see all these people that put them in the back of their trucks throwing off their patriotism. That's disrespect to the flag. That's that's ripping it apart. You, you, if you look, after a few days even, those flags are already faded and um, artificially aged. And, like, and so you just that, know it makes them feel all proud. Well, you know, to take the uh, <laughs> to take the image of the flag and and spread it out over clothing. That's disrespectful in, as well. Okay, yeah, so I, 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 I would hope 
Captain America: I, The I First say Avenger that mindless, is disrespectful. Mindless formalities, because you know, I think that uh, I don't know if you if you do actually want to show your patriotism, I don't think uh, you should show it in uh, really formal ways. I think you should show show it in ways that. Uh, uh, mesh with uh, living your life and getting yes, getting that, things. I completely I think that, and not yeah. damaging your country's public land trust by toppling <laughs> shit the fuck over. Well, I, I think that you you I mean you got it right when you said false patriotism, and that's what all of this is is false patriotism. I I, I totally agree with you, dumbass. That 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 there is a proper way to show patriotism, and the these these loud expressions of uh, that are absolutely vapid in content are not actually patriotic. Right. And Mac, just, uh, Captain America doesn't have an actual flag, if you look at it. It's utilizing the, um, elements of the flag? flag. Yeah, but it's not okay. an actual image of a flag. Th- that is a All right. Uh, what about my, what about my, uh, my do rag? Elements of a flag again? I'd have to see it. Is, is it an image of the flag itself, or is it just stars? No. Red- it's okay. stars and stripes. Okay, if it's red, white, white and blue, and I'm you know, not really l- making it look like the flag, that's fine. Right, and that's- Mac, your matching boxers are okay now, too. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to know why you know about his boxers, Brian, but... We'll okay, move that. on. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> Isn't that... So, is if I get you straight, it's also disrespectful to have uh, uh, American flag uh, uh, cigarette rollers, rolling paper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, not if it's marijuana, right? It depends on what you're rolling it in. <laughs> Well, as far as wait. how Brian knows about my matching boxers, I am sponsoring a couple of uh, middleweight twins, <laughs> and they do wear the American American flag on their trunks. Do the flag rules apply in Canada? Because so that's what the, I was going to ask. Don't don't the Maple Leafs basically wear the Canadian flag as their uniform? Um, yeah, they do. Um, I, do, I don't know if we have any flag rules here. I've never heard of it. I suppose maybe in the military they might have uh, rules for that, but, uh, around here, at least, uh, nobody I've ever known has ever, you know, made a big deal about the flag. I mean, uh, we don't even, uh, have a, uh, pledge of allegiance or anything like that. We're not anywhere near as patriotic as you guys. We, like, um, during school, um, in the morning we, uh, we stood up for the national anthem and then a moment of silence and then we sat down. Right, but a lot of these things are are like even our pledge is so false patriotic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you said when you said something about the the military implying implying Canada's military, I, I got an image of Mounties, I'm sorry. <laughs> Those guys are kinda hot. <laughs> yeah, so for Dudley Do right, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think Dudley Do right. <laughs> I've seen real Canadian Mounties here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are. I, I think we're done. Is there? A, a, I mean, a, can we piss off anybody else before we're done? <laughs> we could. <laughs> Let's say that. I'm sure we could. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll say it for the next podcast. All right. That sounds good. Yeah, screw Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, a Turkey Day is coming up. You know, and. uh you know, have you guys have seen the um, whole? Um, oh God, uh, it's Justin Timberlake and the Lonely Island Singers, or what's his name? You put your junk in the box, and he did one with the turkey. Put your junk in the turkey. <laughs> I, I know the first one, the junk in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was awful, awful. Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.
And that's hey. another one in the can. Yes. Just for you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright. Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 